0: G'day, I'm Mitchell Johnson, and for 10 years I bowled fast for Australia.
1: Knocks him over with pace, what a start for the Aussies!
0: For 10 years I had batters shaking in their boots, but I did so without always feeling comfortable in my own shoes. going to have to go, Mitchell Johnson's on fire! For the outside world, I came across as a fire-breathing dragon with ball in hand. On the inside, I was battling my own demons without always getting to talk about it. Oh, how about it, but now I'm retired, my left arm can't do the talking for me, so I've decided to open up and talk for real. So let's do this. In comes Mitchell
1: Johnson now. This is the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. Johnson. You're listening to the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. My name is the Andares and I'm here, as always, weekly with my friend, my colleague, my co-host, uh, the legend himself, Mitchell Johnson. How are you doing, Mitch? Nice little introduction,
0: thank you, Bharat. I'm good, mate. How are you doing?
1: I'm slightly better than last week because I'm a week closer to going home, but I- I'm in Pune, where I'm sure you played some IPL cricket at some point during your career. And uh, right here, so we're recording this a day before Australia played their final league game against Bangladesh and by the time you listen to this uh, the league stages will be over yes the league stages that according to some began three and a half years ago will finally be done and <laughs> it'll be time
0: it does feel like that doesn't it?
1: it feels like a very long time yeah i mean i came here for australia's second warm-up game against pakistan and hyderabad and that was technically just around 40 days ago or 45 days ago or it feels like 45 months ago it's it's just been it's been fun, don't get me wrong, but it's it's been long. And uh, we are here, Australia are all set to face South Africa in the semifinal. It should be in Calcutta unless something extraordinary happens over the weekend with Pakistan-England. It it can't. It, you don't think so. I mean, you don't think Pakistan's going to win by 260 runs. If not, it looks set in stone almost that Australia and South Africa will play in Calcutta.
0: Yeah, it looks that way. Two very good teams at the moment. Obviously, the, the first two matches, Australia had lost to India and South Africa. So, you know, hopefully Australia can get some redemption there. It will be interesting to see how South Africa handle that pressure because we know that they have had struggles in the past in World Cups, those big moments. They are playing some really good cricket. We've seen some moments as well from South Africa. Jansen, I was quite surprised at. I guess you can have a bad game, but that's probably the the worst I've seen him in his his previous game. And he'll bounce back from that. He he's definitely will. But it's just one of those things in cricket where I really did understand and almost felt for him in some ways because the radar was completely off. And you could just see it ticking in his mind that he was just trying to get the ball straight. He was really trying to get it on the money and it just wasn't happening for him. And you're fighting it on the inside and yet you're on the big stage and you you feel like you're letting the team down. But he's going to bounce back from it. It's a learning experience. But hopefully he's not too good for, for us when it comes to the semifinals. But uh, yeah, look, I think from the Australians' point of view, they look like they're peaking at the right time. I guess the only concern I have is, is there enough players standing up at the right time? We've obviously seen Maxwell... And I guess Cummins to a certain extent because he was able to rotate strike in that last unbelievable match against Afghanistan. So yeah, you look at that and you go, are there enough guys that are doing the job? Obviously, Zampa's there, he's bowling well. And I think we need guys like Stoinis to stand up. You need him to come good at the back end because how you win these tournaments is, yes, you're going to have a standout player, but I think you need a few guys to, and especially your leaders as well, to really stand up. And do their job so this is when you put all the energy into it now like you said the the game will be over by the time our listeners will hear this um, against Bangladesh but yeah they need to to make sure they keep that role going and and, and it's a really good opportunity for guys to finish off a a very long tournament but a tournament that I saw at the start that struggle and we, we spoke about it it was it was the attitude and the body language that really I I saw and I've seen improve now throughout this tournament the guys are up and about and they've had a bit going on again like Maxwell he fell off the back of a a cart and had to be a concussion and had scored 100 the fastest 100 before that and we'll wait and see And, and it's going to be a great final series I think it's probably looking to be like I said India have been outstanding South Africa have been outstanding Australia have been outstanding as well at this back end of the tournament and who else would it be that's the question. We won't know, yeah. will we, until...
1: Yeah, I mean, New Zealand are there, right? I mean, they. it has to be something we've never seen before. I mean, look, we're just coming off an innings which we never thought we would see. A man with half a leg and a few other muscles still functional and Glenn Maxwell making a double hundred in a run chase. But, I mean, what the math says that Pakistan have to... If England... Uh, and obviously, all this is retrospective because every time, by the time you listen to this, is all you know what has happened. But you know, England, if they bat first, it's all over. If the moment they choose to bat, if they win the toss, uh, Pakistan are out of the tournament. But if Pakistan uh, somehow bat first after winning the toss, I mean, it would be quite something if England win the toss and just say we are batting, and it's all over. <laughs> uh, I, I hope that doesn't happen because Pakistan's only chance is if they make four hundred and then bowl out England for 112. And I was reading a stat somewhere that they've never made 400 in ODI cricket in England and never conceded 400 runs in an ODI game. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking something out of the ordinary and if that were to happen then uh, obviously australia and south africa that game shifts to mumbai and it's obviously india pakistan and calcutta but at the moment it looks pretty obvious that india and new zealand will face each other in mumbai which mitch uh, even going back to the last game i'm sure we will talk a lot about maxwell and that innings under lights, it's not easy to bat. Even the Afghanistan medium fast bowlers were getting the ball to hoop around, and that's the only window I can see for any team to beat India in this tournament. Or especially if it is New Zealand, it will be, is if they get three hundred and twenty on the board and Bolt just goes wild with the new ball.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you're spot on with with that call, and you're you've been there and you've you've seen the conditions and you understand it, which is which is great. It's helping me a lot. I think New Zealand will be a little bit disappointed. Yes, they've you know managed to look like they scraped through. So, you know, at the start of the tournament, we're probably thinking that they're going to be up there with, at the top with India, and then they've lost a few games that you sort of you wonder are they going to get through? And but they've got a great one-day team. They are always fairly consistent, but they'll fight hard. It's like you said that if they can bowl really well in that night period, if they get that opportunity, that's probably their best chance. And they've got a good bowling attack uh, and they've got great fielders as well. They, they are one of the best teams in the field. They chase down balls, um, they go in pairs, they cut a lot of boundaries off their excellent fielding. So, you know, they'll be coming out and playing as, as hard as possible and it's going to be difficult in front of a, a home crowd again. But look, I think they'll be disappointed with where they're at at the moment. Obviously, they have to put that behind them, their campaign so far. They, they look at it as a positive and go, you know what? Okay, we've, we've got through. Yes, we've got to play India um, who are playing exceptional cricket. You know, we, We've got to back ourselves and back what we do and, and go back to, I guess, getting that
1: feeling again of, of winning
0: and, and winning well and doing it in their way.
1: You spoke about the home crowd and the last game Australia Afghanistan was at the Wankhede, uh, my former erstwhile home ground, uh, if I could call it that, and it was your home ground uh, for a few years when you played for Mumbai Indians. If we spoke about, it felt
0: like the it felt like the Gabba sometimes when we played there. It was it was actually a very it's a it's a very good place to play and the crowd get right behind it and the, and the pitch can be like quite fast but it does vary as well. It can be a little bit slow and a little bit dusty as well. So it's, it's an interesting type of pitch, but yeah, a little bit of a home ground for me. Yeah, sorry to cut you off there, mate. No, 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 that's <laughs> all right.
1: No, that's what you need to do. This, this is the Mitchell <laughs> Johnson show. But like, as Mitchell Johnson, it's also a ground where you know the way the stadium is, the sound just stays inside the stadium, doesn't it? And you've you yeah. know what it's like to have what, thirty thousand people like cheering for you as a Mumbai Indians player. So can, can you just talk about what it's like to be there with people on your side?
0: When I was playing. I think it was my last IPL season. I wasn't with Mumbai and I remember walking out of the Trident Hotel. I was in the elevator and I had my best mate on the phone uh, on FaceTime and I said, look, we're about to go to the ground. So, I think I must have been playing for Kolkata. I said, you won't believe this. I'm going to show you. Once we get out of the lifts, you just see this. And I turned the phone around as lifts opened and I showed him the crowd of people that were in the foyer and he was just blown away by it, and I lifted up my hand and was like getting the crowd to go yeah. like crazy, and they just went <laughs> nuts. And he was just like absolutely blown away by that support that was there, and the and the amount of people that were in the foyer. So that's every day when you're in the IPL, and then you go to the ground. So you're on the bus and you and you're off to the ground, and there's you know people everywhere. There's people are out. They see you because you're in a bus, right? So people are waving to you, and I guess you're getting yourself ready for for a big game, and you go to Wankedy. You know, it's going to be loud there. You're right. It, the, the sound stays, it's quite piercing as well to the ears. It can give you a bit of a headache, That's to be crazy. honest, because it's so yeah. loud. Yeah. It, by the end of the night, it's just, it's constant. Yeah. There's a constant sound there. And it is, it's that piercing. I don't know where the way they've made the stadium. It, it almost just goes straight through your body. When you're the home team, it's definitely very helpful. You do get that motivation from it. But also, when it's not going your way, the crowd does go quiet. And it's quite noticeable. And, and when you're the opposition team, you can pounce on that and use that to your advantage. So it does go both ways there. So it will be interesting, you know, when it comes time to see what the crowd's going to be like. Because you, you do, I mean, watching this World Cup, I've seen it in moments throughout when India have played and, and the big players get out. And you can just hear it in through the TV that it's so quiet because Rohit got out second ball. Was that at Wanchetti? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, the, and the crowd was stunned. So yeah, it's a pretty amazing ground to play at. It's a it's one of those ones I generally enjoyed playing at. Like I said, that sometimes there was pitches that you played on that were quite fast and felt like you're almost like you're back at the gabber or, or the whacker. It had pace and bounce, swing. I've done okay at that ground. But then there's other times where it's been a pretty docile wicket and you can get a bit of spin um, and it has a little bit of dust on it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what type of pitches is, is rolled out. I think the way India are playing at the moment, it's not really going to probably matter to them. I guess for them now, it's, it's playing each game at a, at a time and not going thinking too far ahead. And this is when the pressure does come on, when it is fine. It's knockout, like it's, that's, you know, that's when the pressure comes in and we'll see how the big teams handle it
1: yeah a lot to look forward to uh and uh, yeah you spoke about the crowd at the wankere and how they can sway from really backing you to then suddenly turning their, their back on you i mean there's ironically been only one ground in all of India where even the great Sachin Tendulkar was booed that was on his home ground 2006 when he went through a bit of a lean patch. so that can happen as well and that's exactly what happened uh, a few nights ago Mitch when uh, Australia and Afghanistan played because when Australia were 7 for 91 at that point or till that point most of the crowd was cheering for Afghanistan like you know, the great underdog story Rashid Khan was the, was the darling of the crowd there were a, a bunch of Afghan fans as well revving everyone up but then glenn maxwell happened and you could see like the whole crowd just shifted like the more he cramped the more the crowd started backing him and obviously he's a, he's a big ipl sensation as well he played for mumbai many many years ago and it's quite surreal being there uh, to witness that uh just glenn maxwell after the innings i walked up to him and i said you effing freak you're just a freak <laughs> <laughs>
0: well i'm gonna say i was probably many Australians. I turned it on. I was actually up north in the mine sites doing my speaking gig and I'd finished one of my speaking gigs and I flicked it on to see what was going on and Glenn Maxie had just got in and I thought oh this is not good and I I, I never give up on, on a guy like Maxie because obviously we've seen throughout this tournament what he's been capable of um, he's he's actually bowled yeah. well. He's, he's fielded really well. We we can't forget about that. But the way he's battered, he got that hundred, and then even the next game, I think he scored a a pretty quick thirty or uh, thirty odd. So yeah, you can never never write him off. And in that situation, I was just like, you know what? It's it's obviously the spinners have done pretty well there. Australia haven't batted well. Hag Cummins was still in, he put a bit of faith, I guess, in him. But I switched it off. I, honestly, I, I turned it off. So I was one of those Australians that didn't watch it. I, I do know a, a few people that did watch it, stay up and watch it. And you know it's one of those moments in sporting history that they'll never forget. I, I did see the highlights, but like you say, it they were all highlights anyway, uh, the way that he played the game. But that's Maxi to a T. It, it's one of those things that he plays the way he plays. And he's spoken about this on so many occasions where he's going to get out to sometimes dumb shots. He did it early on in the tournament where he came out first ball. He was he was asked to come out and play. I think that was against India. Uh, no, the not Pakistan India. game
1: um, in Bangalore. The Pakistan yeah. game,
0: yeah. And he, I think he was, you know, probably asked to go for it, but he's gone first ball and, and he's been caught. So that's always been the way that Maxi's played. Some people look at that and go, "Well, that's just it shouldn't happen that way." It's an you know, you shouldn't make that as an excuse, the Maxi, you know, type of thing. But that's just him, and when it comes off. You look at what he produces and he's probably in the prime of his career, to be honest. He's 35. He knows his game pretty well. He's come back from a major leg injury, come back from also a bit of concussion, but he just looks like he's going out there and he's having a lot of fun, backing his skills. He obviously was in a fair bit of pain as well, you know, to be out in that heat, Mumbai Hey, it's so sapping as well. That's one thing that as soon as you walk outside in Mumbai, you just start to sweat. It's that, I guess I compare it to North Queensland weather. It's got that humidity to it. So yeah, you've got that heat and humidity and yes, it's the short form of the game, but he was obviously sweating a lot and it took a lot out of him. This is the thing. Again, Maxi's hands and his hand-eye coordination are phenomenal. His hand speed has always been so quick and him just you know, standing there and playing some shots the way that he did, or playing, you know, flicks over the the mid-wicket region or just do anything you wanted. And it's hard to bowl to someone like that, but he, yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal. And and a lot of people will be talking about that innings for a a very, very, very long time.
1: A freak is right though, right, Mitch? He, He is a freak. Like he... Can often, and I wrote about this like after his 100 against the Netherlands, where I said, Yes, it is the Netherlands, or you can like say, Ah, you know, it came at a time in Australia already on top. But the thing with Maxi is that because he's so ridiculous when he bats, that you can actually isolate his innings and forget about who he's playing against and what the conditions are but that's what makes him so freakish obviously in this context with this innings the context mattered as well right in australia was seven for 91 and if they lost badly the tournament suddenly becomes wide open this game against bangladesh yeah Yeah, yeah. uh, become so important exactly
0: well there's two things out of that maxi practices this stuff all the time but look yeah he has got that freakish ability in him anyway and i think i've spoken about him i remember playing with him early on in his career and through IPL and one day cricket and he just wants to have the best strike rate. He honestly does. He he wants a really high strike rate. When he finished his career, he said, I want a really high, I can't even remember what it was. It was something ridiculous. It could have been like over 150 as a strike rate. And I think it is actually, he's right up there. But the other thing is, again, it's the situation as well. So this gives the Australian team motivation. It gives them confidence as well going forward because to lose that game that takes a different mindset into the finals then they're probably not going to be as confident whereas now you know they've got guys like Maxwell who are performing and hopefully that brings everyone else up to the level that they need to be at they're not going to obviously be at Maxwell's level but it's going to hopefully bring guys like Stornis up with him we need to see Mitch Marsh produce some runs again that middle order to fire And the bowling attack, there was a little bit of feedback on the bowling, and it wasn't probably at its best. You look at the experience in that team; I think they'll be, they will get up for the, the finals, and you know I think we'll see their best. So if if Australia bowl really well, Stark is is at his best, and and Zamp is at his best, and yeah, if you look at those guys and you see the experience, and hopefully they can all get up, and because they'll be tough to beat, I think in the finals. Obviously India that they're playing exceptional cricket, but I think. The Australian team. I'm backing them to win from here, the way that they're going now. You
1: always back an Australian team from this this point on, don't you? Uh, on that note, Mitch, we'll take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, more about that effing freak, Glenn Maxwell, uh, and that <laughs> effing freakish innings that he just played. Uh, arguably the greatest ODI knock of all time. I certainly think so. Uh, but more on that after this. Welcome back to the Mitchell Johnson Cricket Show. We are talking about that Glenn Maxwell innings. 201 not out. The first ever double hundred in a run chase. First ever double hundred for Australia. And what a time to do it in Australia on the ropes. One of the more extraordinary partnerships you'll ever see in cricket. uh, 202 runs where Pat Cummins contributed. All of 12 runs. And, and, And the bizarre thing is they'd already had a hundred run partnership earlier in the tournament where Pat Cummins contributed eight runs. So they're the new Hados and JL, but in a very different light. Like they're the new sensational partnership for Australia, batting partnership. Uh, But they do it in their own way where Glenn Maxwell uh, scores 98% of the runs.
0: Yeah, the perfect pair. But that's the thing. Again, like say, Cummins played his role. He knew what he needed to do. Afghanistan couldn't stop it. I think that's what, what happens in those situations, you try too hard. Sometimes you just got to sit back and just take your time and just try and figure out how you're going to get the other person on strike. But you also, you're trying to get Glenn Maxwell out because he's going to be facing, like you saw, he faced the majority of the deliveries. So from a batting point of view, the, the partnership like you said, Cummins has played his role and he's done it very simply. You give full credit to, to what they've done there. So pretty good partnership. And if they get into that situation again, yes, they're going to be coming up against the best teams now, obviously, with, you know, made it through the finals, but confidence is, and belief in your what you're doing um, definitely plays a huge part in this part of the, the tournament.
1: You spoke about Maxwell and how uh, many years ago he'd spoken about wanting to finish with the highest strike rate. And that's still again there's another freakish aspect to him right a lot of guys like him who play cricket the way they do they're not so numbers oriented i mean or at least they don't talk about it very openly but even after his 100 against netherlands i mean glenn spoke about how he always has an eye on that he wants to be the fastest to something the fastest 100 the fastest 50 and to have that kind of uh, not just the knowledge of where you are where you stand in terms of numbers but to keep one eye on the scorecard and still be able to do what he does that just makes him a bigger freak in my uh in my opinion
0: yeah he just thinks differently his mind mind is different to to others and and i know when i played you speak to batsmen and they talked about okay let's just get to 10 first and then let's get to the next 10 and then let's or they might have worked in fives it could have been less but he's thinking strike rate and he's he knows that he's going to catch up at some point so i find that max is his best when he gets himself in at at the start not just go and blast from the, from ball one. If the ball's there, he'll still go for it. But I think once he gets himself in and his eyes in, then he can just do anything. And that strike rate's going to go up, and the run rate's going to go up. And that's what he likes to see. He loves seeing that run rate go and climb. That's that's how he operates. So you know he's a lot more mature in a, in a lot of ways with his cricket. It seems like he's got himself in a good place. Off the field as well. He's, you know, recently married and he's got everything in place, uh, which which helps for when you're out there on the field. I know I spent a a lot of time, like I said, with Maxi through the IPL, playing for Australia as well, and. And I've seen a lot of Maxi behind the scenes as well. It just seems like he's, you he just see on his face and when he's being interviewed, seems like, um, yeah, he's just in a really, really nice place.
1: You know, you spoke about the time you spent with him on and off the field, like, uh, and how settled he is. Yes, his, his wife and baby are here. So, you know, uh, they just came here a few days ago. So you can see that hes he, he's got that perspective as well to life. Uh, when you speak to him off the field as well. Have you, have you seen him evolve that way as well, Mitch, not just on the field as a uh, as someone who's had the talent, but he's needed time to mature on the field but even off the field, like how comfortable he is in his own skin, because for, for years I always uh, thought, and I remember interviewing him quite a few years ago, and I said that I've always got this feeling that the world has expectations from Glenn Maxwell but then Glenn Maxwell's expectations of Glenn Maxwell are like 10 times above that which which is a good thing to have but it can also be put a lot of pressure on yourself as well can it yeah it doesn't
0: feel like he's putting that extra pressure on himself he's just understanding that yeah look sometimes I'm going to go out there and it's not going to come off and he's comfortable with that maybe it's it's due to how he feels in that team as well maybe I think it's more to do with how he feels in life and and where he's headed but yeah he definitely doesn't look as tense and look he is hard on himself like when when I was playing he was definitely hard on himself as a cricketer and he wanted to wanted to do well he hated not scoring runs or or not doing something in the team or missing a run out I remember like through the years playing with him and, and he'd miss like run outs and he'd be talking about it after the game and like hours afterwards, he'd be like, oh, I should have got that, you know, run out because he's so hard on himself and he has those expectations. But I think, um, you know, he's definitely matured now and it sort of shows. I think, like I said, he's 35 years of age. He probably just wants to enjoy his cricket. I think he's in a good place and they're in a great position to to win a World Cup again. It'd be pretty pretty nice, nice feeling for him. But like you said, he's got his family over there now with him and that may just even help more for him. But um, I've got a few Maxi stories, but one of them, I do remember having like net sessions with Maxi and they were always quite funny because not funny from his point of view, but a little bit funny from my point of view. I used to bowl him a couple of bounces in the nets. The reason I did it was because he would hit it straight back at you, right? So as soon as you pitched it up, he would smack it back at you. And so my reasoning was I'd bowl a couple of short ones early so he wouldn't get on the front foot and smack it back at me. So I remember this one net session. I thought it was at Wayne Caddy, but it may be wrong. He came into the nets and I actually had just been told that I wasn't picked in the game the next match. So I think this is when we were playing for Kings Eleven, And I said to Maxi, do not come into my net because basically I've just told him, I've just been told I'm not playing. And he goes, oh, oh, but I've got to like, they've just told me to switch nets. And I'm like, mate, I said, do not do it. I said, like, just don't. And uh, so I was in a bad frame of mind, but then also I was thinking, I'm just going to bowl as fast as I can because I'm so angry and, and just wanted to play cricket. Anyway, I've, I think I've bounced him second ball. It's hit him on the hand and he's just like, you know, shaking his hand and he was, drew his bat down and he was like going off at me. And I sort of just turned around. I felt bad, but then I also said, no, no, I told you not to come in the net, you know? But yeah, he had to get out of the net and he iced his finger and there was a little bit bruised. I did feel really bad for him at the time. Yeah, he was fine and we moved on. But yeah, there was there was a few little little net sessions like that where they get a little bit fiery because there was, the reason was because he'd just smash yeah. it everywhere and he'd smash one back at you. And, and so there were, there were interesting net <laughs> sessions.
1: Do you remember the first time you encountered him uh, on the field, off the field, like has he has that Glenn Maxwell spirit I call it all the time. Like he's there's people who are spirited and then there's Glenn Maxwell, right? Like when he is being Glenn Maxwell and I'll be witness to Glenn Maxwell being himself. And it's a lot of fun, trust me. It's it can get a little crazy but it's a lot of fun. So do you remember when you saw him for the first time and was he always like that?
0: Hey you're testing my memory here now. I I remember a few situations like uh because he struggled I think with early on with IPL stuff and having that bit of fame. He definitely struggled with that early on. A little bit like Andrew Simons in some ways, where he didn't really like the fame and just wanted to be sort of left alone a bit. And and when you go to the airports in India, that's where you get, you know, smashed a lot. Like a lot of the fans will come up with people just recognize and then all of a sudden there's people everywhere. Yeah, he used to struggle with that a bit. But the Maxwell spirit—I know what you're talking about. That it's because, it, like I said, like especially out on the field, he'd miss like a run out, or he'd miss a reverse sweep, or he'd miss a, a shot that he'd feel like he'd have to hit, and he'd be so like gutted at himself. He'd be talking to himself and he'd go, Maxie, like, what are you doing? Like, should be hitting that for four or six or so. Yeah, there was always that frustration, and that came out also a little bit off the field as well you'd, you know you'd, you'd be relaxing having a few drinks and yeah you know, situations of the game would come up cuz he love he loves cricket he loves talking about it he's always been that way so yeah, sometimes you'd have some pretty fiery discussions and, and really good discussions with him off the field. And we had some great times and great discussions as well over a few drinks. But I've always had time for Maxi. He's, he's a good
1: man. Uh, certainly is. We will focus a little more on, on his innings. I mean, the 201 not out. Uh, but uh, is there any other innings that I'm again testing your memory here, Mitch, uh, from the past which... Kind of whether it's it was for Australia or in the IPL, which you saw, and you know, I asked Andrew McDonald this yesterday. As a coach or as a teammate, when someone does what Maxwell did the other night, you just have to divorce yourself from whatever role you're playing in the dressing room and just sit there as a, just as a member of the audience and go, "Wow, I'm just going to see what's happening here." So, is is there an innings like that that stands out over the years? I mean, there's been moments
0: like that. Like I said, I played. A few games with him throughout IPL and I remember playing at the Kings 11 and there was it was actually when Saywag was playing as well and Maxi actually was struggling a lot and I remember the chat around it was, um, I just remember that Saywag was not happy with how Maxi was playing and it was the way that he's going about it now. It, he was playing shots from ball one and he just looked like he was just trying too hard and I think that was a different day different time for Maxi as well but there was a lot of pressure on him and I think he put too much pressure on himself and then those comments didn't help and didn't really help the team side of things we had a really good team as well you know Dave Miller was down that uh, lower order Sauce was at the top Sean Marsh uh, we had George Bailey there as well from from international point of view but we had a lot of really good Indian players there as well and Sawag it might have been his last season but yeah I mean that, that sort of was a little bit disappointing because you know, you expect your teammates to be supportive, and there was a reason why Maxi was picked and was selected in that team because of the way that he plays, and and that sort of I think had a bit of an impact on him at the time, and he wasn't at his best, uh, that's for sure. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up for some reason. I just it just popped into my mind. But there's been plenty of occasions. I honestly can't pinpoint uh, a lot of them because there's there's they've all been like moments where he's just come out and he's just done what he's done, and you you applaud that. And I remember, the one thing I do remember was there was a lot of talk around his test career and where, you know, he sort of sits with that. And I know that at one point that he was definitely really wanting to play test cricket. I think we we're over in the UAE, we played against Pakistan and he was on that tour. You could just see that he really wanted it, but he still hadn't really found his groove with the longer form, I don't think. I don't know where he sits with it now. I think maybe he sort of moved on from it, but be interesting to see i don't know if you've spoken to him about that at all while sort of being there but with the way that the game is going and and we look at the summer over in england that's just gone by and all the talk of baseball, you know a glenn maxwell down the lower order would be very interesting and, and probably fit into a few of the teams that are playing that style of cricket these days
1: i think he's still keen last year we were in sri lanka and uh, it was the closest he came to uh, playing a test match, the second test match in Gaul, and then Travis Head passes his fitness test and they stick with Travis Head. But I remember the night he was picked in the test squad. It was like an afterthought uh, in the sense he wasn't in the original squad and you wouldn't have seen a happier man. He was so, so chuffed about being back in the test squad after quite a few years. You could see he was so excited. I think wife was coming over. Uh, He was so excited and he was so gutted then to not play that test match. Rarely see Glenn Maxwell not greet you or not smile at you when you're just standing around practice sessions. But that morning of the second test, you could see he was so disappointed to not play. So I don't think, even though he's 35, I I mean, I'd be surprised if the real Glenn Maxwell within him has given up on anything, uh, whether it's test cricket or anything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah well that's good that he's kept it open and like you say that's that's Maxie to a T he just wants to go out there he wants to play for his country and he wants to do his best and you don't blame him for being gutted there's been a lot of talk around Glenn Maxwell over the years and whether he's good enough to play test cricket there's definitely a lot of really good signs that he can play test cricket but I guess he's been sort of pigeonholed in some ways and he's he may have done that to himself as well with the style of cricket that he's played but like anything can happen anything can happen these days and um, age is only a number I think we're seeing a lot more cricketers now playing for a few more years past what you, we used to think was yeah, used by date whether that's a good thing or not but yeah who knows what's going to happen? Maybe he will get selected in the summer. Maybe
1: he will. Uh, maybe he will. I mean, there, there aren't any subcontinent tours coming up. So I think that is the only thing that could go against him. But, I mean, we are in the subcontinent and sticking to the subcontinent and the innings. But just what I spoke about a little earlier, about divorcing yourself from what you're doing when Maxwell does what he did the other night. Uh, my favorite moment, and this became the intro of my piece as well, was when Pat Cummins came across the ground at the Wankare to do the press conference. I was just walking out of the press box and we just bumped into each other before the press conference started and his blue eyes twinkled at me, Pat Cummins, and both of us simultaneously and instantaneously just went wow like yeah and Pat Cummins had the best seat in the house right like but even he at one point you could see he was just leaning against his bat and clapping away like you know he, he couldn't believe what yep. he was seeing either but it was that kind of night and yeah I mean I'm sure we'll learn more about it as as the years roll by but in my opinion the greatest ODI knock of all time even the great Sachin Tendulkar who wasn't at the ground but whose statue which looks more like Steve Smith was looking over proceedings and he himself said it was the greatest ODI knock ever. If he says so, I guess we all have to agree, right?
0: Yeah, look, you have to appreciate something like that. That was, it's just phenomenal, like you said, it's freakish. It may not have been like out of the textbook. Sometimes it was, but that's irrelevant to me. To be able to do that in a a one-day match, in a World Cup, a situation where they needed to, for someone to stand up, it looked like it was dead and buried and to just come out and just be glenn maxwell play your natural way and it'll be one of those ones that gets rerun over and over and over again
1: Let's do some predictions. Australia, South it, Africa. It, for a lot of people, when Australia get to this stage, at least in India, trust me, people do get a little intimidated by just the aura of Australia. It doesn't even seem to matter yeah. whether it's the Pat Cummins Australia or Steve Ward's Australia, Ricky Ponting's Australia. Australia in a big uh, semi-final and a potential final is what uh, scares a lot of Indians, even if this is the yeah. best Indian team of all time. Do you see it that way? Are we going to be talking about an India-Australia final when we record next week?
0: I think so and I think you're right. It doesn't matter what Australian team it is and who it's led by. I think any Australian team that can get into a finals it definitely makes other teams a little nervous. But the Australian team can't just live off that. They need to stay focused and I think they will. I think they've copped a fair bit of criticism and I've been one of those guys that definitely questioned things at times, but you can sense it it's just it's just something maybe it's me being biased as well but I'm fairly open-minded when it comes to these things, and you, you sort of look at the results that have been happening, and you think. Look at India, the way that they've played. You look at South Africa and the way that they've played. You're right. I think it's just Australia in a semi-final or a final series of a World Cup is it's huge, and they know how to win. It's, it's almost like it's in the blood. It's funny. I, I, I am nervous about South Africa for a few reasons. We did mention Jansen, and I think he'll be quite strong through the semi-final. Um, Dacock as another guy for me. I think it's really interesting. We can get into the real specifics of it. Where I think Dacock has has been great up the top. Four hundreds, I think it is throughout this tournament. He's just batted exceptionally well. He's he's played the game, has he seen it? Uh, the the moments they seem like you know a game plan for them has been to have wickets at hand early on, but they've also been aggressive when they've the ball's been there to hit. So I do get a bit nervous with Dukok at the top, but they've had plenty of other players that have come out and scored runs. So they're probably in the best position for a long time. I mean, they've had some great sides that have come through and, and struggled in these situations. I wonder if they've passed that. It's always a question mark, but they've been called chokers in these situations before. I don't know if they'll be in the same situation this time they just seem like they're a different team but I still feel that Australia with the way that they're playing they're confident and if they get a few more of those senior players backing up playing well I think yeah, I'm backing Australia to play India
1: in a final I'm backing India to play Australia in the final as well. And speaking of backing up, that's what we do, Mitch. We do it better than anyone else. We back up (laughs) each week and provide you, our wonderful listeners, with something new, something unique. Had to be Glenn Maxwell this week. I know we spoke about uh, wanting to speak about India's incredible bowling attack. I'm sure we can do that next week as we get into the the final week of this 50 over World Cup, which, who knows, in some people's opinions, may have breathed some life back in this format which a lot of people thought was dying away but
0: well that's actually something we can talk about because obviously every world cup it comes up that conversation uh, is one day cricket dead and then you go no it's not because you've just seen a great world cup again my thought has changed on this and this is what i think we can talk about whether it's next week or the week after or somewhere down the track where one day cricket is but i look at what's happened now with the olympics the t20 format has now been accepted into the olympics i think that could be a problem for one day cricket
1: yeah that's true no i mean that certainly makes it even more vulnerable than it ever was but yeah that that'll be a great topic for the future, but that's what, like you know, we never will never run out of topics. And at some point, point maybe in a couple of weeks time, we will get back to the original concept of the show, which is your life, Mitchell Johnson. Yeah, yeah we've spoken a lot about what's been happening oh, yeah, in the plenty. World Cup. Yep. Plenty to talk about, but what you guys need to do is you have plenty of work to do as well, which is to like, to subscribe, to follow us everywhere we go. Social media at Mitch Johnson three nine eight on a, it, on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> uh, I,
0: uh, I'm not very good with my socials. Uh, yes,
1: I think you need to uh, back up. Speaking of uh, peaking at the right time, I think you need to peak on social media. <laughs> I'm not the best either, but uh, I'm at Beastie Boys 7 on Twitter and at Bharat.sund on Instagram, I think. We'll be back week after week. We'll be there in all your live feeds on Monday. But until next week, uh, Mitchell Johnson, thank you to you. Thank you as always. And thank you to you guys for tuning in.
0: Thank you, Barat, and thanks to the listeners. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.